a ruler like King Jong-un, dictator aside and being a jerk aside and all the terrible things aside, they mostly just want to stay in power and, you know, use all their wealth and have power in whatever they do. So to be fair, I think his actions, more so than his words, have always shown that he's a rational actor. So we're pro-North Korea on crypto? We're not pro-North Korea. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Flagship Friday. It's the Crypto Basic Podcast coming at you. We have everybody back in the building. We got Brent Phillip, and that's me, and I'm joined by Kareem Baruke back from his travels. Yay, I missed you guys. And Adam um, Levy back from his uh, you know, episode that he was on three days ago that I forgot there to There you go. Hello. Him. Yeah, but back from Vancouver where I was for uh, <laughs> uh, podcasting. For oh, yeah, you were kind of traveling too. Vancouver's yeah, you were in. Cool. Yeah, it is. It's Man. Nice. All right. So just so everybody knows, this is Flagship Friday. Flagship Fridays are episodes where we talk about news, goings on, current events, everything that happened in the, fall, in the previous week. Uh, we were founded as a place to give the crypto community a place to learn about their favorite projects from a perspective that wasn't required technical knowledge or any deep understanding of mathematics. We always keep it basic up in here. So today is our 74th. Oh, sorry, man. Damn, man. Can I finish? I'll let me finish. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were still I'm sorry. (laughs) Today's our 74th flagship in a row. We've never missed a Friday since we started over a year and a quarter we're still keeping it basic now i'm done i'm, I'm done for okay. reals all right, all right so brent I'm, uh what <laughs> okay now i'm just trolling kareem no it's okay Go because ahead, i was just trying to troll brent i was going to ask him when he was explaining what the flagship friday is all about i would say an example of that would be if ethereum classic would have changed their name that would be crypto news about our favorite projects that we would announce during a flagship friday is that correct brent is that a yes, we w- if, if Ethereum Classic had changed their name, we would have announced it during a Fraction Friday, yes. And as Degenerate Brahmin pointed out on Discord, Ethereum Classic has oh, not Jesus changed Christ. their name, have they, Brent? No. Why don't we catch up the audience? Did we actually bet anything on that? Yes. It. I just went back to listen to it before the episode started. We oh my just God, you actually it. listened to it? Yeah, of course. Thing. Once I saw that, it went back and listened to the episode. The bet to catch everybody up during our Ethereum Classic 101, Brent predicted that Ethereum Classic would change their name by a full year's time. The bet that we made, actually, we were kind of pretty vague on the terms, but we said, we'll just make it a humiliation bet that the audience chooses. Sounds to me oh, Jesus. like I should just uh, let people like the degenerate Brahmin himself brainstorm a little bit about what you should get for... Pretending like you knew what the future was going to bring without evidence. I, w- I went back to listen to it to remember why it was that we made that bet. And uh, your main argument just seemed to be like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's just dumb with another Ethereum out there. They'll change their name. So uh, I, I still think that there is a chance they'll change their name in the future. A year was, <laughs> you know, knowing what I know now, a year was a pretty tight roadmap situation. And we like to brag when I'm right, but... Uh, also, people do love to rag on me when I'm wrong, specifically Kareem well, and apparently Degenerate Brahmin. So nobody's counting, but I just want to point out that this is the first official conclusion of a crypto basic bet, which I guess I'm the winner of. You know, I didn't choose to win; the win chose me. And then our previous <laughs> contest, which you guys also came up with, the uh, stock picking contest, I was the least loser, the smallest loser. So. Two championships for Crypto Basic, two victories for Kareem. For what it's worth, I think... No, we can't because I do think (laughs) that uh, Brent is right. I don't think that uh, a coin can just exist as Ethereum Classic for freaking ever. It's actually kind of ridiculous that they still exist as Ethereum Classic because, unfortunately, the people that are adopting coins now do not give a shit whether it's the first ethereum or not or the second ethereum they just know that ethereum is like the the most known one and people coming into it are just are not gonna uh really care about that whole thing that happened with the dow years ago maybe they should just have something that's like maybe they should just call them something that at least says it like immutable i don't know immute coin 
I maybe not in a mute coin. So they're stay. They are by by staying the name Ethereum. They are literally telling the world what they are, what their principles are, and the people making the decisions are probably more concerned about the structure. I, it sounds like you guys want to make another bet, which we can discuss separately from Brent's punishment. <laughs> I mean, it would be a three-year span. But the thing is, oh. is that what what's going to happen is that the market there's going to be a marketing team that goes in and be like, "Hey, listen." You guys need to change it. And then Ethereum Classic guys are going to be like, no, we're Ethereum Classic. And the marketing team just be like, all right, you're not going to like, good luck. You know, and eventually they might come around. But it's, I just think that's going to happen. OK, I see Brent's influence in my defense on Adam here with the fantasies of predicting future uh marketing <laughs> management interactions. Ethereum Classic is a name that makes sense. You guys are crazy. Go ahead, Brent. Defend yourself. <laughs> In my defense, Anthony did say that they have looked at rebranding a lot of different times. He thinks it will eventually happen, but he thought that there was no way it would happen within a year. I remember him saying that right when we did that episode. I mean, so, a year uh, seems like a bad bet, but you know, especially when it's in the midst of like a, bull, uh, a pretty bad bear market. You know, listen, I've made some stupid bets in my life. You know, uh, I made a bet that there would be a Magic the Gathering Grand Prix in Cuba. Within five years, I lost that bet. Uh, 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 uh. Um, he also had Ethereum overtaking Bitcoin by the end, by this year. I thought I did. That was pretty stupid. That yeah. was the. I'm about to have bet. to pay up um, on a uh, shitty bet that I made with where I thought that Apex was going to beat Fortnite as the uh, with Twitch viewers. But um, ooh, well, the reason why I believed it was because I had a friend who used to basically it's like a continuation of Titanfall, and they screwed. Basically, what I was told was the Titanfall screwed up. With like everything that was, uh, you know, they did. I thought they were going to correct everything they screwed up the first time around, and then they, and I thought they had EA helping them out, and apparently nothing happened. EA, yeah, that's not a that's not a path to correcting anything. <laughs> I was hope. Well, I mean, hey. hey, I was hoping that they would help out, and then they just came out, and there was no announce. Like they had a battle pass, and they came out, and there was nothing, and it was just like crushed wreck i think uh one of my most crushing failed predictions i remember when the panama papers came out and i was like oh man all this stuff coming out we're gonna see such big changes nothing happened yeah. anywhere it was just nothing. like another nope, new story yeah uh, anyway you guys want to get into <sighs> some crypto news yeah we should probably talk about crypto we Wait, just this did is a crypto show are you sure i thought this was a betting show no well you know we have to yeah we talked people. about bullshit way before we did anything to do with crypto so why don't we go straight to our rapid fire section. Yeah, let's do it. All right, I guess I'll rapidly fire. <laughs> so <laughs> you you can now buy Bitcoin at Coinstar machines at the grocery store. I this is I saw this on uh, Reddit. I thought this already existed. I was pretty sure you could already turn your coins into bitcoin but maybe you could turn your coins into bitcoin but now you can actually just physically buy it and it's acting as a bitcoin atm not really sure but that was a cool little headline are those the ones that you just dump your coins in and it automatically counts them for you basically yes i yep. once used one just, to get to uh magic uh to u.s nationals uh in san diego from florida i just had pennies and coins and it was 250 dollars i got from it and that bought my ticket out there nice I am sad to admit that I lose change like it's nobody's business. So I literally just leave it in pockets or throw like drop it everywhere. Or it's under my bed or what? I don't know. They take a vig though. Um, it's anyway. like ten percent or something. So it's you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, they, I, assume, I mean, they're providing a service. You, yeah, I mean, I assume Bitcoin's also something similar. It's probably even more. I mean, it, it, with our experiences, we'd have to look at that. Uh, Excel lets you do your currencies in Bitcoin now. So on top of like all the different countries in the world, you can actually select Bitcoin as the currency of the cell, which is pretty cool. Kraken has paid out 250 salaries this month in uh, Bitcoin. So that's a company that has pretty much been doing things right. And they have a lot of employees opting to receive their pay in crypto. It's not required. They say, if you want it, we'll give it to you in Bitcoin. And their employees have said yes. So... I would have said yes if they hired me, but they didn't. So, you know, whatever. Samsung apparently is moving to integrate crypto into Samsung Pay, which uh, counts for 80% of the South Korean simple payment market. 
Samsung Pay is super useful, awesome. I love just like taking my watch and booping it on one of the NFC readers. It would be great if they integrated crypto into that, but their wallet was kind of a shit show when they launched it on this last phone. So hopefully they do that with a little bit more care and we can consider this alpha, this wallet more of an alpha. And that's it for the rapid fire, boys. So Adam, your favorite coin next to Tron, of course, is Bitcoin SV. So why don't you tell us uh, what's been going on with them and what happened this week or, you know, it's a bull signal, right? Thanks for that lovely transition, Brent. I appreciate it <laughs> so much. Uh, so, yeah, there was BSV is uh, pumped 100% yesterday. Legit triple digits. Uh, and, and I think it was already $90 Jesus. or uh, I'm not sure. But regardless, that's a that's a big chunk for a coin that of that price. And what happened was, this is reported by Coindesk, and apparently there was a fake news article published on a Chinese uh, website, and it said that CSW, Craig uh, Craig Wright, I forget what his middle name is. Craig Shithead Wright, yes. Had transferred from Satoshi's wallet to prove his identity. And... Then Bitcoin SV pumped 100% and they had to kind of, I mean, I, I think, I guess there's some website named Coinbull that I think this, I'm trying to figure out if this is the, basically they had to write a kind of like a detraction. It was a malicious photoshopped image imper- to impersonate Coinbull to spread rumors. and Or they didn't have to retract, but they had to make an announcement regarding it because I guess someone... Uh, so, so wait, that. they they t- so this company or this scammer or whoever this was, the fake news person, like they photoshopped a coin bowl logo into an article or something, yeah. and then posted it as Sorry. if it was like a real news site. Yeah, I, they were masquerading as the the news site Coin Bowl, which is a Chinese news site. Jesus. And first of all, I've never heard of Coin Bowl. Maybe they are big. I don't know because obviously I'm not in China. But it sounds to me like they said they did some dumb shit, and they're like. Oh, what am I going to do? I don't know. Just say it wasn't you. All right. And they called me red-handed saying Craig right with Satoshi. See, I see what you did there, Brian. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, you're, that's definitely uh, some possibility as well. Um, I don't I don't really know. It's uh, It was a shit show yesterday, uh, and I just strongly, strongly advise you to not deal with this type of situation by just not having bitcoin sv contrary to what brent said and also to continue uh this story because there's always stuff about bitcoin sv in the damn news or actually craig Wright. so apparently someone named this and this i think is just new today so way lu has filed a copyright claim for the bitcoin white paper And with the U.S. Copyright Office, which is kind of hilarious because until last week, I didn't even know the U.S. had an office for copywriting. Like I did, but like can't remember last time I've heard anything regarding it. And I've heard so much about the Copyright Office in the past week and no idea who he is. But I guess this is just kind of the muddy the waters with uh, Craig Wright and to complicate things a little bit, maybe to make the Copyright Office just say, hmm, maybe not. Yeah, well, it's important to have a competing claim out there, I guess. Copyright Office has already said like they that it's not recognizing it or whatever. They don't do any research. Like we figured that out in the last couple episodes. They just like if you file a claim, okay, the claim was filed. That's all they do. They just stamp it and say the claim was filed. They don't actually try to like challenge or anything. And I, think- I threw a little link into this from that I that I found in like a random article. I didn't even know this place existed. Stopcraigwright.com slash evidence is the coolest thing i've ever seen so we always talk about the dumb shit that craig wright has done or like the things that he's done that are scammy there is even more than i thought there's even more than i knew about if you go to this site they have links to all of the fucking scammy shit that he's done um we're, we're talking like 50 60 links in here uh up to and including craig wright lied about owning mount gox's bitcoin he said he had it apparently at that point uh he claimed to have a couple of doctorates, but he doesn't have them. Like all these, it's amazing. There's go check it out. Stopcraigwright.com slash evidence. And these are just factual links to things that he's done 
Forget what we don't know or what's conjecture. This is like legit stuff that can be proved about this guy. And they so, have a bunch uh, of links here, bad. Brent, to a bunch of experts like, you know, Charlie Lee and Vitalik and uh, Paul Storrs. They have a bunch of names here, and it's all links to experts in blockchain kind of calling him a fraud, which is obviously huge when, you know, the people who are really the leading voices in the community. He had a 22-page long LinkedIn profile. It says deleted <laughs> CSW LinkedIn page. 22 pages long. What the hell? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it just keeps going and going. I mean, this is such an elaborate. What the fuck? This is so elaborate. So. Wow. Yeah, it's just a never ending CV. Yeah. I mean, even like having a two page made up shit. A two page LinkedIn seems like a lot. And the last thing regarding Bitcoin SV and then we can thankfully move on is Bitcoin SV earners, uh, miners, earned $57.41 in transaction fees uh, two days ago. And then this is a tweet from uh, (laughs) someone named Kevin Rook. And it says, a minimum wage job at McDonald's working eight hours is $58. So, yeah, just think about that. So, if you click on the tweet, the first reply is, is that an average across all miners? Wow, as in like, wow, all the miners combined are making that much per person. And he's like, no, that's the entirety of all of it split amongst all the miners. So it was $58 divided by however many miners exist and are mining. That's how much they made. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I don't know what it would be on Bitcoin. I mean, I have little, like no real clue, but I'm sure it's more than $58 in a day. Cool, 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 cool. And all right, that's our Bitcoin SV portion of the show. Maybe we should get a little Matos uh, scam alert up there. Yeah, let's throw the let's get that scam drop up in here. No, 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 no. That's a scam. Let's uh, talk about the uh, next topic with IOTA and what they uh, what they're doing. Before you get started, I'm excited to hear this because this has been an issue with IOTA from the very beginning. Uh, I didn't run across this story. But it says here, you're going to talk about them trying to finally remove the coordinator. That sounds like a big deal. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to actually say. We're going to need an entire episode on it. So let's do just a quick recap, basically. The coordinator is something that is completely centralized that had to be built into the IOTA code to keep the network from falling apart, basically. That's the quick, explain like I'm five version, but... The, the way their consensus algorithm worked until they had a lot of people using that network, they needed an, a centralized piece of technology that they did not open source. Now, they eventually did open source it a little bit, but still parts of it were they couldn't because if they open sourced it. Then it would be like apparently able to be attacked. So we've been super critical of this since we covered IOTA the first time. For a couple of different reasons. One, we don't like giant points of centralization in what should be a decentralized platform. And two, we don't like giant points of centralization with people that are have already shown that they're kind of egotistical and prone to emotional outbursts. And Brent, the one more issue that we had with the coordinator was that by their own expectations that they set out, they passed through the original timelines for when they said that the coordinator was going to be removed. So it wasn't just, you know, critique of the project as a whole, but even by their own standards, you know, once they yeah. they crossed that threshold, it was fair for the community to start saying, okay, well, you guys said it'd be gone by now and it's not, you know, so clearly you had your hands more full than you thought. However, this is not uncommon. We've seen this with a lot of projects. So we've seen it with a lot of projects and we also have been wary of it when it comes to giving up power so to speak right so they've they've blown past multiple different estimations i mean they've been estimating it's going to be gone since like 2017 and they've gone on and on so they finally released an entire white paper on how they're going to get rid of the coordinator they haven't done it yet they're specifically showing that how they're going to get rid of it And the way that they've decided to get rid of it is a completely different consensus algorithm, something that is not proof of work, something that is not proof of stake. They're calling it shimmer. So when I started looking at this story, I only allot a certain amount of time to what I can do for the flagship. 
I realize this is hours and hours of research to figure out what they're doing here. Like I, I, uh, I did not get enough of an understanding to tell you how this works. What I do know is that it is a completely, they're replacing the consensus model and voting algorithm. And they're including something that they're going to call mana, which is weird because Decentraland already uses that, uh, that like label, but it, it, and it gives the nodes reputation of some kind. So as the nodes transact, they'll have unique identifiers and then they get some sort of reputation and that factors into who gets to make decisions and who doesn't or who gets their transactions accepted quickly and who doesn't. I have to go into a lot more of that. Honestly, if you're part of the IOTA team, reach out to us. I know we've been critical of specifically this coordinator and specifically David, but I will say I've seen a lot less bullshit from Dave in David in the last, like I don't know, six months or so. I clearly somebody kind of put him on the leash. Obviously we had that IOTA foundation drama that's gone, seems to be behind them. So it's a project with a lot of turmoil. that seems to be going in the right direction. We never said it was a scam, not even close. We just didn't like what was going on behind the scenes here. But if it gets completely decentralized, I think they've made enough headway with partnerships and possible integration into cars and all kinds of other things that maybe they are an interesting project to look at again. So one of the things that always strikes me with the stories that we cover in IOTA is that I keep thinking of them as a high variance project because you can definitely, I'll tell you this, I'll give them credit for always being innovative. It seems that everything that they put forward is new, but they've also encountered problems in the past for putting in things that were new. One of the big problems that they had at the beginning was if you guys remember that instead of using a tried and true hashing algorithm, they kind of invented their own algorithm. I don't remember right now. I want to say it was called like curl P or something, but it was their own crypto. They made their own cryptographic thing that hasn't been tested by the public and they kind of paid it for it and they had to pull it out and they weren't very clear about whether or not that was the reason why. But now here we go again. It's a, an entirely new protocol, something we're not familiar with, which is both exciting and higher risk because it doesn't have the maybe history of trials that something that the community uses as a whole does. So it's always interesting with them. It always feels like it's a wide range of possibilities because they are being innovative. So it feels like they have fancy play syndrome. And, and, yeah, and that's, that's the thing. <laughs> in poker, totally, that basically yeah. means like, hey, I know that this is boring. Basically, it's it's when you kind of want to do something that's that's more cool than maybe the most profitable. You want to show a bluff. You want to do certain things that are just unnecessary to make you the most money. You know, they're just like, you know, they're making the most money might not be glamorous. Making the fancy play is and that's more fun. Uh, But it's also maybe not the right decision. And this just seems like shimmer, mana, tangle. Why? You know, it it just seems why why do they have to be so different? I don't know. I'm curious about their design or their their team. But this is where we have to be, I think. This is why it's difficult to evaluate it because sometimes it is a tightrope between fancy play syndrome and actually pushing things to their potential, right? So I am skeptical of IOTA always uh, going out and create, like, for example, making their own crypto when that's such a standard not to do, quote unquote. But at the same time, we don't want to create an environment where people aren't taking risks and actually creating new things. And sometimes Definitely. the most successful people and the genius and all, you know, the real people who push things forward were taking the risk that they were going to overshoot. And it's really tough to tell sometimes with these projects where on that tightrope they are because it's not a wide line, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to say yes. Yep. And but- like I said, we're going to do this addition to the project. It's due diligence uh, in the future. Again, this is a, we're just scratching the surface. I didn't even get an actual date. So I, I think this is a plan more so than a date. So it could be just another roadmap thing that they keep not hitting, which would you know be another knock on it if it happened but at the same time it looked pretty it looked pretty cool so if you happen to be a member of the iota team or you know somebody probably that isn't david because i don't want him to yell at me i don't you know what no i'll have him on the show if you even if david reaches out to us we'll have somebody from iota on the show if they happen to come so uh let us know really even if it's the main person in iota you will accept you're so kind (laughs) No, I'm just worried, man. Like, think about you guys are always like shitting on me, and and you're like, oh yeah, wrong. What if what if David gets on here and he's already like a professional shitter and he just 
goes below. Professional uh, who knows? It shitter. It could be like immovable object, unstoppable force. As long as you're an honest actor and you explain why your critiques were coming from where, you'd be fine, especially with that charisma. Yeah, I'm so charismatic. <laughs> oh. All right, well, this was great. I, I think it's time. What, what's it time for? Crypto around the world. So, guys, I'm happy to be back from traveling, and we need to talk about the world, crypto around the world. Probably one of my favorite sections. Are these places you visited no, on these are uh, your places. trip? No, are no, you no. sure? Yeah, 100%. None of these uh, are places I visited. No, actually... Speaking of around the world, do you want to tell us anything about your travels? I know we had a lot of bullshit at the beginning of the episode, but we're here in the middle of the episode. It's a, it's more acceptable for you to tell us like about anything that might have happened while you were traveling. No, man, it's... An... That you might want to share. <laughs> well, well, I wonder what you could be referring to, Brent. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, m- my girlfriend and I got engaged. My fiance and I got engaged oh. in Europe. Wow, congrats. We had a great time. We went to Spain, Bronda, Morocco. It was a lot of fun. Southern Portugal. Uh, And then we partied in Ibiza, partied our face off, and literally left the club straight to the airport. Partied until the last second we could. I recommend it. Spain is the best. However, our (laughs) our stories today are not about... Did you eat a lot of tapas? Dude, so much tapas. Oh, my God. And the prices were so Ah. good. Man, we went to a tapas bar in Sevilla, and I had this... Tuna tataki, quote unquote, tapa. And they brought me like two legit steaks and this like teriyaki glaze. And it was three euros, which is like $4.50. All these tapas were like under $5. And they were plates here that a nice restaurant would charge you like $14 for. Wine was always like two euros. Oh, it was so great. So great. Also, the euros up at 1.5 to the dollar now. I don't know, but it was it was uh, significant. I don't, I don't remember the exact value. Damn, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Trump. I, <laughs> come on, that's just like the oh goddamn Obama. Yeah, come on, oh, yeah. I don't think Trump. No, I don't think no, Trump is, is responsible for like <laughs> the value of the dollar to the euro. Okay, so let's talk about Africa. Guys, we barely ever talk about Africa. Let's be honest. Crypto stories tend to revolve around North America, Europe, and Asia. And South America gets a little bit of play, and we almost never talk about Africa. However, it's arguably that that it's going to be one of the countries, uh, one of the continents that would benefit the most and has the most potential. Let's talk about blockchain down in Africa. Is that uh, a South Park reference or no? no oh no, Toto. you're as the Toto. Oh, oh, my I just assume everything that Brent makes is a South Park reference. But yeah, yeah that's, that's not a bad assumption. Do you know Toto's randomly one of the most popular songs on YouTube? And I think it's because some like a lot of like the the youngins they, they just really took to that song and it just became kind of a meme. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Opa Gangman style gets like a bajillion views. I don't know. But let's talk about Zimbabwe, guys. All this recent cryptocurrency activity apparently spooked the central bank of Zimbabwe, who said that they've been getting a lot of interest, a lot of inquiries from different people about cryptocurrency and blockchain in general. And they said they issued a statement letting everybody know that I'm sorry. And we're talking about (laughs) I jumped to Zimbabwe. We're talking about Malawi. Sorry, guys. I was jumping down a little bit. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I was like, what? So it's funny. I, I just want to Zimbabwe. The outline said Malawi. And I was like, wait, is that a city in Zimbabwe? I'm like, I don't want to say anything because then I'm going to sound ignorant. No, 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 no. I was trying so hard to get to the story that I kept uh, scrolling down and then I jumped right to the middle of it. <laughs> so we start our African journey in Malawi, the country of Malawi, which is, of course, not inside the country of Zimbabwe. So. <laughs> the Central Bank of Malawi has been getting all this cryptocurrency interest, and they issued a statement letting everybody know that cryptocurrency is not legal tender, that they recognize that cryptocurrency is being used to buy and sell goods on the internet, but they're basically telling people to stay away from it, to tell investors to stay away from cryptocurrency businesses. They even talk about to watch out for their intentions. So, you know, it, it was just kind of a side story about one of the central banks responding, but it kind of led through a little exploration of how different African countries are managing the situation. So now we actually go to Zimbabwe. There's Zimbabwe. There's Zimbabwe. Their their central bank had a very similar response to my line. They actually banned cryptocurrency completely in May. By September, though, 
this is where it gets interesting. Now they have a new finance minister who is making the case that crypto could actually be very useful in solving Zimbabwe's cash challenges. So they have a couple of challenges. Apparently, they have a dollarization of the economy, which is that a lot of people take in the dollar and start using the dollar more because of the instability of the local currency. They also have a terrible situation where apparently banks put withdrawal caps on accounts, like how much money you can take out. There's a daily limit. So what does that mean? Well, now people don't want to put their money in the banks, of course. So now the banks have an even bigger cash shortage uh, and all that money's not circulating. Uh, all of this is causing people to start looking for other alternatives. And the finance minister, Mathuli Nakoub, is trying to push the bank to like open up crypto. And I really like this quote. This is um, He's talking publicly and he's basically telling Zimbabwe that they should look at Switzerland and follow their model. So listen to this quote. One can pay for travel using Bitcoin in Switzerland. So if these countries can see value in this and where it's headed, we should also pay attention. We have innovative youngsters, so the idea shouldn't be to stop it and say, don't do this, but rather that the regulators should invest in catching up with them and find ways to understand it so that then you can regulate it because you understand it. Whoa, kind of talking sense. Wow, look at that perspective from a politician. How, <laughs> boy, mind blown. Has your mind not exploded that somebody actually thinks they should understand what they're regulating? It's crazy. Why would you want to understand it? What is wrong with you? So we'll see how that plays out. But then we see the different perspectives there in Zimbabwe. Now let's go to the biggest economic powerhouse in Africa, which is South Africa. And they have taken a different route. They've been a little bit more receptive, just a little bit. And their central bank is actually testing out blockchain. And they created something called Project Coca. And it's the South African Reserve Bank uh, using a test environment to see if a blockchain could hold all of the transactions that happen in real time for the uh, South Africa's real-time gross settlement system, which is called SAMOS. That's 70,000 transactions in about 75 minutes or so. And they ran the test. It's an Ethereum-based uh, blockchain. And apparently they were successful with it. Now, they were very clear, hey, we're not we're not doing these tests because we're about to replace our entire system with blockchain. But they were running the test to see how blockchains could interact with their system. But still, the fact that they were even engaging it as opposed to just banning it is um, a positive uh, situation there. So, you know, just felt like uh, these were some interesting stories in regards to Africa. Give you a little bit perspective of the responses, how different banks are playing out in the internal politics. And how awesome this Nakuba finance minister is. I hope he succeeds over there. I feel like it's Nakube. Nakube. You might be right. I don't, I don't know. know. It's, it's, we're just rolling dice with these pronunciations <laughs> of these names. Yeah. So they're understanding it and they're testing it to see if it would work. This is like my, it, what we get in the United States is some old dude on a podium going, Robert. Bitcoin, drugs and drugs and prostitutes, and just just a scam. <laughs> no, I mean, look, we get extremes for sure. I, I'm, I'm positive that as dysfunctional as our government is, we're still getting a better result than most African countries. But yeah, there's different approaches, different solutions, and some of these are very, uh, you know, actually solution focused, which is what we need in government. No I was, I when you were talking about if they could handle the uh, entire daily volume in my head, I started thinking about what happens if a blockchain can't? Does it burst? You know what? What? What happens? Is it, I, it, it's hilarious because it's all it just gets expensive. Yeah, and I know. it clogs. It clogs so up. Boring. It slows down. Yeah, it clogs. I wish it would just you know do something kind of like we put too many. Tri yeah, <laughs> we we you know it's at capacity and then it just like does something fucking dramatic but no because it's all it's all i mean this is all in our computers which is you know it's just crazy it's just like something boring just slows down <laughs> all right but got something on a different continent if you guys want to take it to asia take it to the asia wow brian you're gonna be able to make a song out of everything well you could have just <laughs> you could have tried to bring in toto there as well for eight but it doesn't yeah three I don't know syllables how uh nope well guys i got some news for you Apparently, if there's a cryptocurrency hack, there may be a good chance that the North Koreans are involved. 
This according to a senior FBI agent. So here's the story from the Korea Herald. They say that at an event that is organized by a think tank, the Tonia Ugortes, who is the deputy assistant director of the FBI, told a conference that the U.S. sanctions imposed on North Korea has pushed the North Korean government to engage in cryptocurrency-based attacks and hacks. So it is suspected that North Korea was responsible for the WannaCry virus of 2017, and apparently they're also doing a lot of targeted uh, attacks on South Korean exchanges. And there's been also reports that some other countries that suffer from U.S. sanctions like Venezuela or uh, Russia have basically looked at the cryptocurrency world as a way to you know, evade sanctions or be involved with it. But specifically in the case of North Korea, at least according to the FBI, in this case, that's why we see entry into the hacking world. So I think every time we hear hacking stories, we always think of just like hacking groups or petty theft or uh, whatever. And we forget that oftentimes it's going to be state actors. I'm going to give a little bit of credit here to to KJU over there in North Korea. He's being innovative. He he realizes that maybe his military can't really stand up to anybody, so he's going to start attacking them, attacking people somewhere else, and messing with blockchains. Now it's interesting to watch the dichotomy of rationality and complete like psychosis that it looks like spews out of him and you don't know which way he's going to go. Like you never do. You don't know if he's like being, being reasonable and being smart and acting in such a way that'll defend him or if he's being cultish and he's about to go crazy. And like, this is one of the check marks in probably the rational category of attacking, not, you know, people. (laughs) So Brent, I, I know you and I have had this debate a million times. I don't know if any of these debates have happened on air, But I think I have told you for a long time that if you look at his actual behavior, he's just another rational actor and that we are just in a situation where we have a media and an establishment that also benefits from making him look crazy. So, But a lot of these stuff are like, oh, they're building nukes and and them saying like, oh, we're going to attack. Obviously, they're not going to just drop a nuke on a random country that's suicidal and a ruler like King Jong-un, dictator aside and being a jerk aside and all the terrible things aside, they mostly just want to stay in power and you know, use all their wealth and have power in whatever they do. So to be fair, I think his actions, more so than his words, have always shown that he's a rational actor. So we're pro-North Korea on crypto? We're not pro-North Korea. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Adam loves Tron. Kareem loves North Korea. And you love Bitcoin private, which was definitely the best uh, take yeah. you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, I'm not nor- pro North Korea. We're not. I'm just pro King Jong Un. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a cool guy. He is my friend. Uh, Bro, and he's pretty great- much the next person to go there to negotiate on behalf of the United States is going to be Kareem. It's Dennis Rodman, then Kareem. It's wild that Dennis Rodman is just randomly like a double agent or something. Because there's no way that no, they banned him. Oh, no. He peed in the hallway outside of a hotel one night, and they they banned him. So he's not even like the liaison anymore. Oh, no. They got to find a new basketball player. That Vice episode was cool, though, actually. I thought that was pretty cool. When he goes to North Korea, it was really interesting. Yep. I Actually, the the most information I got from North Korea was the interview, which was kind of a... I mean, it wasn't... It was was a (laughs) decent depiction of it, from what I've heard, but... Yeah, uh, North Korea place. Uh, I, I'm happy I wasn't born there. Um, I think you guys probably are too. And uh, do you want to move on to some another place where, uh, you know, in that, maybe not that region, but in the African region? Sure. Why don't we talk about, I don't know, I'll pick a country at random, Egypt. <laughs> the internet's <laughs> off again. No, uh, that's not it either. <laughs> the internet is off again. <laughs> 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 they just flipped it. Yeah, that's, that's all we think about with Egypt. Yeah, no, uh, and and the sphinxes, but and the pyramids, and Cleopatra, and Egypt seems like a really cool fucking country that yeah. <laughs> existed five thousand. Oh, like, just you know, one of the oldest civilizations. In yeah, history. I mean, it's super no dope. But uh, yeah, I guess because uh, I, I just threw this one up there. Egypt has lifted the cryptocurrency ban that they originally had uh, and will allow licensed blockchain companies in the future. This is more of a rapid fire around the world. 
Uh, I just thought this one was kind of pretty cool that, you know, Egypt is starting to uh, change their stance as well. Honestly, it feels feels as though Africa is just a little behind. And I guess the Middle East can be lumped in with Africa. But it feels like the African continent is a little behind every other other continent with in regards to blockchain. So the fact that there are certain countries that are saying, oh, wait, no, we don't like it. And then certain, you know, it's it just seems about right. And it'll be cool when they when Africa, a lot of a lot of the African countries really get on board, though, because I think that'll really help them uh, become a lot more advanced, especially when it's a, such a great alternative. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just and I know that this is kind of tangential, but I do think it's worth mentioning. Anytime we say something like that, that like the reason for African countries and countries like in South America and a lot of places of Asia are lagging behind Europe and the United States when it comes to a lot of this development, and is because of a colonial history, which plays a major role in like the structures of those governments and therefore their ability to in- innovate, the education of the populations, the ability to keep you know, natural resources and invest their natural resources as opposed to a country like Norway that actually gets to invest all their oil in their people. And yeah, just uh, just worth remembering, you know, why these continents and countries are behind and the history behind it. Yeah, not anymore. They've got rational people saying, let's look at it and see. <laughs> and then uh, you threw one more in here, Adam. We didn't look into this article, but uh, the the Bank of Ireland and the AIB are using a new blockchain platform to verify their staff's credentials. That could be kind of cool. Yeah, with uh, Deloitte and Touche, and uh, it'll be built on Ethereum. And I mean, oh, that seems pretty, pretty sweet. I know that er- earlier we reported that the, the Deloitte was going to be using Ethereum. So here's another, you know, uh, this is one of those uh, clients, I guess, that they have. And uh, yeah, it's a Dublin-based uh, hub that's building solutions, and I think this is just another quick little thing. But you know, now we got Ireland, Egypt, North Korea, and Malawi all in this around the world segment. I feel like we traveled. You know, we really went around the world. We actually went international this time. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of it for that for Ireland. There's nothing else going on in Ireland. It's just. It's just that one thing. And Not pretty uh, much. Yeah. If you do ever go to Ireland, go to Copperface Jacks. It's the coolest bar, craziest bar I've, I've been to. And uh, now, Brent, do you want to uh, head up this uh, section? Yeah, I will second the Copperface Jacks thing. That place was pretty cool. Uh, I went there because of you and had a lot of fun. So it is time for our newest section. Carlos? Oh, no, 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 no. That's a scam. All right. So we're going to talk about EOS in our new section. Remember, Carlos is not saying that everything we talk about here is a scam, but he's saying that things might be a little bit shady as we talk about them. There's a new report on EOS that alleges that they may have engaged in wash trading during their year-long ICO. This has long been something that people have thought about as part of possibly the demand for Ethereum, but mostly their demand on themselves. And what they did was basically they looked into how their ICO was run. Before we talk about this, it's important to remember that Block One promised to audit their ICO and the funds that they used during the ICO. Never released that audit. Uh, This was put out by a company called ALETH.io or Alethio. They are an Ethereum data analytics firm. They're part of Consensus. And that company is also the company that created like Virtue Poker and a bunch of other things or like an incubator. Uh, and I have issues with Virtue Poker and the way that they're being run. So I don't know 100% that this is like, you want to take this company at face value, do your own research, obviously. But what I read in here, it's basically like fact-based. So just know that they probably have an agenda, and but still important to check the article and check it against what they've actually put out. So it's long. It's a really long report, and I tried to take some of the key points out of it. And they explain where all the research is, and they do explain at points that they make some conjecture. So basically, during the crowd sale for, for, for EOS, they were able to use their Ethereum. Every other ICO, it gets locked up until the tokens are distributed, and then just the tokens are distributed. So what they actually accomplished was they had the Ethereum go to a wallet that they could use. And this, their ICO reset every day. So their ICO took a full year. They started moving Ethereum five days after they started their ICO. 
During the crowd sale, they withdrew approximately 90% of their funds, averaging one withdrawal every 3.8 days. They found that as well. There were no written rules anywhere on what they could and could not do with the funds. So honestly, even if they did this wash trading, they didn't say that they did, they couldn't. So Alethio noticed that a massive amount of the transactions that were among the highest EOS wallets, that the wallets that contained the most EOS, were between those wallets and Bitfinex. And then they tracked 21 EOS wallets that are clearly belong to Block 1. Uh, not, or sorry, Ethereum wallets that are part of the EOS team. 21 that belong to Block 1. And 7 million Ethereum got run through those wallets during the ICO. Jeez. And at least 4.47 of that ended up on Bitfinex. 4.47 million Ethereum. Not million dollars worth, actually millions of Ethereum. Ended up on Bitfinex by going through those wallets and going through a bunch of other wallets. So their conclusion is that they said the sale was shady, that all the mechanisms were in place if they wanted to buy their own tokens by going on and doing wash trading on Bitfinex, they could do it. And that there were a lot of transactions that went to Bitfinex, but they can't prove that the EOS or Block 1 actually engaged in any wash trading. They just basically said everything was here. They could do it if they wanted to. And they have an incentive to do it, but we don't know if they actually did it. So it sounds very, you know, it's accusatory and the title was very accusatory. But again, they didn't come to any hard conclusion on that. You can draw your own conclusions, but I thought it was just worth noting because we talk about how much money they raised, billions of dollars, and maybe there was something artificial behind that. Yeah. And usually if you can do it and there's an incentive to do it, there's a pretty good chance that people will do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with unregulated markets. What is unethical versus what is illegal differs, you know, and some people might just. Which is uh, why we really need to be, you know, technically building it into the code. Yeah. There was actually a post uh, on Reddit uh, yesterday that said EOS is not a blockchain and operates as a scam since inception. And this article got really, I mean, there, there are a lot of comments. Yeah, those are sensationalized posts. Those people, yeah, they're they're basically saying like this is not a block, which I'm going to agree with them as far as like it's not a classical blockchain or whatever. But all of this was available before EOS was launched. Like you could look at this and see that it was going to be a problem. So whenever they do things, it's like. It's not. I, it, it's tough to call it a scam. No, when they're sorry. just doing what they said they were going to do. I'm just reading the, the the title. I'm not calling it a scam. But I do. I do. What I right. did think was funny was that everyone, most of the people who were not even involved with EOS, were saying, "No, it's not a scam. It is a uh, legitimate. Like, yeah, maybe it's a different. I think they said it's a DPOS blockchain and not technically PO, POW or POS." And it was like, yeah, I don't understand what this post is, but it does seem like there's a lot of, uh, it always seems like EOS seems to have some sort of turmoil here and there. Is that correct? From, I mean, or at least from listening to Yeah, your, nothing's been smooth for EOS. Yeah, but it does seem like it's still kind of, uh, you know, there in uh, the top five and, uh, you know, still moving along. But I mean, I've, I've also heard that there's a good amount of building going on on EOS. There's some like games. I think there was one game that I, I well, one of my first uh, shows I saw was a game that was at actually yeah you I guess you guys didn't go there at South by Southwest, but there was an EOS game that that seemed pretty cool. But you know, only time will tell. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of coins that come out that uh, do some dumb things or are doing dumb things, and some will be great. You know, it's not a dumb thing, Adam. What being a part of our Patreon? It's very much not dumb. You got a full almost 30-hour extra early release on the episode that we did with Brett Ritchie, which because of all the BS we had at the beginning of the episode, we forgot to mention. We had two different episodes this week that were released. We did Brett Ritchie and we did Marie, or I'm sorry, uh, not Marie. Marie is the Marie Leaf is the person I met in Thailand, but uh, Monica Acquaintance from Kadena. We did a couple of different just one was a roundtable style. One was an interview style. It was really cool. And it's time to talk about our Patreon members. So Patreon is what keeps us afloat. It's the last flagship of the month. And that's when we give a shout out to all of our current members of at least the master node or the secure node layer. So 
Simon Gordon. Uh, these are these are Masnero guys. These are contributing the most to us. These guys are really keeping us afloat. Simon Gordon, the bigger boat, Robert Laverty, and Andrew Giles all really taking care of business. And we've also got Steve Stapleton at our secure node layer. Jeff, just Jeff, the man with one name. Uh, the Z-Man, the Degenerate Brahmin, and Diz Dangus in your mouth. All of those guys are still on our secure node layer, really taking, really helping us out. What a name. So, Brian, I feel like they should be the people who are the driving force behind your embarrassing punishment that you must do for making a bad bet and a bad prediction. I'm counting on you guys. This is It's really up to you. Brent must be punished. That is the bet. How we shall punish him, well, I think it should be put up to the blockchain boat. Maybe like a wooden paddle. Right, you guys come up with my punishment. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Come up with my punishment. Post it in the Discord. Post it all over the place. If you want to join our Discord, the link is always in the show notes. And also, you can always follow us on Twitter at CryptoBasicPod. We're on there messing around. Uh, it's me on the Twitter, in case anybody's wondering. it uh, I always talk mad shit. So it's not Kareem or Adam <laughs> saying mean things to people. <laughs> But feel free to follow me. There's definitely some some funny things, and you're welcome to uh, to participate in the conversation. All right. So if you're interested in joining our Patreon, go to uh, patreon.com slash CryptoBasic. $1 an episode gets you that collectible token from the engine blockchain. I think we've got 83 of those left, and we will not make those again. There are not going to be more tokens that are given out on our Patreon. So those are a one of... And you get that on the first anniversary of your, uh, like, as soon as you make your first donation, you get that sent to your engine wallet, assuming you give us your engine address. Some of you, we have to track down pretty hard for that. So anyway, that is, there's lots of other little perks that happen inside of the Patreon. Check it out and help us out. And that's it. I think we're good, right? You guys got any closing comments? Nope. Uh, that's about it. Yeah. Good luck to Brent out in uh, Vegas this weekend, right? That's true. Going to Vegas this weekend. Kareem's going to Vegas next weekend. You're going to Vegas like the day after I leave. Hey, I think that's good luck. Kareem, was that Ramsey? I think. Yeah, Ramsey's uh, heard you guys mention Vegas and he got excited. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Oh. <laughs> he, he knows it means Kareem's leaving. All right. So uh, finally, I want to say we are not financial advisors. We are, in fact, pretty much idiots. Anything that we say should be taken as entertainment only and not financial advice you need to do your own research you need to do your own research in all things and all investments have inherent risk all right that's it see y'all later this has been flagship friday see you guys sayonara 